earlier this week, I had Max Feldman on to talk about some of the struggles from this freshman class. And today, my co-host, Leif Tulin, will share his thoughts on the freshman class that was expected to dominate the 2023 NBA draft for the first round of the 2023 NBA draft. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code Locked On at sweatblock.com, which is also available on Amazon. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies and my co-host for today. This is a guy that watches more college basketball than anyone you know, Leaf Tulane. Leaf, what's going on, man? Doing well. Watched some Big Ten ACC Challenge, some SEC, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, Big 12 and uh, Big East and, and, you know, just getting ready and all these Feast Week games really painted a picture of, of the early season for some of these young players that had high reviews or some that had lower and exceeded expectations, um, especially for this freshman class. So I think you're starting to gain an appreciation for just how hard it is to be very good in college basketball as a freshman. And I think that's the largest reason for some of these concerns, but there are certainly concerns that have arisen for mo- most of the top 10 freshmen. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this class? So I had Max on Monday, and my question for him was, did he think that this freshman class was living up to the expectations, disappointing, or is it too early? And he, he felt like that it was about what he expected. He thought some guys were going to take a while. And then I've talked to some other people about it, and the consensus is I'm not going to judge this freshman class until Cam Whitmore and Nick Smith play some games. But I can only go by what we have right now. And I think that it's been a little bit disappointing. Injuries have played a major role in it from from Whitehead to Lively. But what are your thoughts on this freshman class so far? Yeah, I'd echo echo the sentiment that you you shared there. Uh, I think the the part that's the most disappointing is is the player that excited the most at least early. There was two of them. One was one was Brandon Miller, who you know I was very high on coming in, um, and and he was regarded about like pick number twenty by some of the major draft outlets, uh, like on Tankathon. I just checked right now; he's on number five on their big board right now, and that's so so people are moving him up. But then he played against stellar defenders in Leaky Black, North Carolina, and Andre Jackson of UConn, and really struggled to create his own shot against the athletes on those two teams. So people, at least in terms of the recency, they've kind of tempered their their heat on him. And, and I think it's unfair, but it's you know it's a reactionary thing. The other guy that had really impressed early in the season was Anthony Black, and I think the temperature on him has really turned up, and everyone are really high on him. But then you look at the rest of the freshmen um, in terms of their shot creation, Keontae George. And this is, I think we texted before the game against Marquette yesterday that we should talk about the struggles of shot creating freshmen. And he was kind of prime amongst the one on my my brain is he's really struggling to find his role on a Baylor team that is, that is guard dominant. 
and you're not seeing him create shots like he was able to when he was the guy at the global games like I kind of expected him to be able to do and I think that's not to say he can't I think he will be able to but that's something that that kind of concerns me in terms of the shot creation of the freshman class whereas you can see a guy like Terquavion Smith um, as a sophomore you can see that he's taken a step and it's become easier for him rather than kind of having that acclimation period. And then there's a couple guys on this in this class that are highly regarded, like you mentioned, that have been injured. Dreek Whitehead comes to mind because he's, he's playing like a spot-up role as a six-man in limited minutes. Grady Dick is is hardly creating his own shot. Trace Walker's not really creating his own shot. Cason Wallace kind of does, but that's not necessarily their forte. So there's definitely concerns in terms of overall shot creation in this class. Yeah, I had concerns about Keontae's role coming into the season i mean you can go back and listen to past podcasts i was, was curious to see how he would fit in a situation where he plays pretty much the same position as baylor's top two returning scorers so i, I think it has been a, a, an adjustment but, but here's a, a thought for you and i had this conversation um on, on a previous podcast all right so if Keontae george has the same exact shooting splits as Jaden Hardy, Keontae's still going to go higher, despite the fact that people think that the G League is better than college basketball. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're correct. I mean, as you know, I was high on Jaden Hardy. I just liked the, the package that he had, the ability to shot create. Um, Keontae, I think, probably will have better shooting splits when it's said and done. He's just having a little bit of time to acclimate. But that said, I agree with your point is that, that even though there's a general consensus that agree that uh, the G League's better at preparing, I mean, a guy like Marjan Beauchamp is, is really being being discussed as an impressive player, and then they're really well prepared. Jaden Hardy's got called up by the Mavericks, and, and you're, you're, they're kind of looking for a guard to step up um, in, the, in the lack of Brunson this year, and maybe Jaden Hardy can do that. It may be too early, um, especially with the Grand, Grandio's uh, expectations after making the Western Conference Finals. But that said, I think, I think there's something to be said that once you struggle in college basketball, you can like, you can kind of brush it aside, be like, oh, it's not an NBA system. He'll do great with an NBA system, and and I think that whether that's fair or not, I think that's what will happen with Keontae George. But I, I personally am a little lower than than Keontae than I was coming in. I had him about nine on my big board, and I think I'm, I've, I'm I haven't made a big board, but I, I'd have to drop him after what I've seen just because. You know, his best thing he does is shoot the ball and, and create space. And neither of those things he's done very well. Like his defensive effort's been impressive, but Baylor's backcourt hasn't been good defensively. So uh, I think I think you got to react to what you see and then you got to add context. And, and, and uh, I think that whether it's fair or not, Jaden Hardy suffered because of playing against pros and Keontae George likely will not. It's there's no rhyme or reason to this. So I have an article. It should be coming out by the time this is released, if not, give or take a few hours. And I, I interviewed a, a or quite a few NBA scouts and agents, right? And they all have different perspectives. And so the topic of the the um, the article was about Cam Whitmore and Nick Smith Jr., two guys that a lot of people coming into the season thought were the two candidates to be the first college player selected in, in the draft. Some thought, okay, these are the two guys that are basically competing to be the first player after Scoot Henderson, 
and and you know for the third pick uh, obviously Wimbayama go one Scoot Henderson will go number two so for the third pick you know there's this this unofficial race between Amon Thompson and then Cam Whitmore and Nick Smith those were the names that were the most common all right Nick Smith played five minutes and against Troy Cam Whitmore has yet to play and I, I made the so the question was does it make sense for them to even play and and I mean I won't give all the the information on the article because it's on NBA big board and I want people to subscribe, but there are some very strong cases as to like, if they don't play, if they just don't play a single minute this season. Their stock is good enough to where they're probably going to get drafted. And one of the examples somebody said is Derek Whitehead looks awful right now. And he's like, he's hurting himself by trying to play. Yes. It may look like, Oh yeah, he's, he didn't sit out and he's, you know, he's not one of these guys that's looking to protect his draft stock, but he's like, but if you're just watching based off of your view, you can't look at him in the same light as you did coming into the season because he felt like he looks heavy footed. He's not playing the best role. And he just thought that college basketball right now has not helped Derek Whitehead's draft stock. What are your thoughts on that? I'd agree. It's probably the safer route as a college basketball fan and someone who really appreciates the the kind of the growth curve of some of these prospects, as well as just players in college basketball in general. I really hope they do play. Um, but but Shaden Sharp went seven by not playing. Jaden Hardy, we had this discussion many times this past summer. If he hadn't have played G League and just sat out, was a top five pick or, you know, I'll say top 10, but likely top five last year. Um, coming out of high school and so so there's a very a very real discussion to be had that it's the best way to preserve draft stock that said I think that the way these players have been billed is largely because they expect them to thrive in their roles on their on their respective teams and uh, I I think there's a real chance Nick Smith can make a final four on Arkansas Villanova is really poor but if Cam Whitmore can make them better and if Justin Moore can come back and now all of a sudden a two and four two and five Villanova team comes back and makes a kind of resurgent stretch in the in the big east play I, I think I think that actually helps his stock so I think it's easier for them to um to elevate their stock than it typically would be but you're right as it is the safer option is to sit out and and you know get picked in the top 10 like it that's, that's, you know, it's, it's simple that neither of them would slip past 10. I think both would probably be top seven still, but I, I really hope they both play. All right. When we return, I definitely want to elaborate on that a little more, but I want to let the audience know about this, this way to avoid having sweaty armpits and it is sweat block. So there was a lady named Rebecca. She had a daughter who suffered through low self-esteem because she dealt with embarrassing sweat so one day Rebecca got a text from her daughter about sweat block and she mentioned or the daughter mentioned that she wasn't sweating anymore because sweat block wipes are basically a little secret to confidence and with sweat block wipes they work up to seven days and you apply them on let's say a Sunday and you can stay dry all week so if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor try sweat block you can save 20 percent with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com again sweatblock.com promo code locked on it is also available on amazon.com another example was there was a guy named christopher who used to wear a sweater every day to school 
even though it was hot. And the one of the, the reason why he wore a sweater is because he was trying to hide the sweat. And now with sweat block, he does not sweat. I mean, he still sweats, but he doesn't have the embarrassing pit stain. So again, if you or someone you know that's experiencing this, go to sweatblock.com, 20% off on locked. If you use the promo code locked on. And again, this is available at Amazon. Once again, thank you so much for making the Locked On NBA Big World podcast your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On Sports today for your second listen. For the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. This is Rafael Barlow the host of the Lockdown NBA Big World Podcast with Leaf Chulene, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. And we're talking about this freshman class and some of the shot creators. So which shot creator or which freshman that had the reputation as a shot creator has impressed you so far? I'd say Anthony Black. Um, He was one I was lower on entering because I didn't think he created his shot well enough. And he's been able to create shots, whether it's not in the typical like microwave score, mainly jumpers, smooth type of conversation. He gets to the rack and he uses height and and kind of he's a more dynamic athlete in the half court than I realized he would be at the college level. I thought that was kind of a high school thing that he'd get to the rim, be taller than people and finish. He's been able to do so against pretty solid competition in Maui. And uh, he's. He also creates shots in a, in a sense that you wouldn't expect. Like it's not like the prototypical six man shoot. Like he, he crashes to the, to the rim and is able to create for other players on his team. And I, I appreciate that. And, and I think that his stock's really risen because he actually defends and you know, you're six, eight and you're, you got plus size at your position, but his shot, it, it, the shot itself isn't perfect mechanically, but he's found a way to make it functional. And he's found a way to make it in half court setting and in the fast break setting. So I, I'd say he's impressed me the most, most or improved his stock because I, I kind of regarded him as like just kind of jumbo sized guard coming in. And now I've, I now I regard him as more of a shot creator than I did previously. So that would be my pick for someone who's improved their stock the most. And to be honest, I think my, my coming out of high school evaluation was wrong on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mine was, my evaluation was probably right until he got to Maui. <laughs> so I, 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 me too. I think I had some concerns about the shot. I'm still not hundred percent sold on the shot. Um, yeah. I mean, I just thought he was a very hesitant and reluctant shooter. And then after Maui, I was like, okay, this first game is <laughs> against Louisville. Right. I'm like, okay. This is the guy that everyone else has been talking about. And then he did it against Creighton. So I'm I'm leaning towards, you know, Anthony Black has been, I mean, you can make a case and say he's been, what, at worst, the second best freshman in this class. Maybe, I mean, he's just been great so far. I mean, it's been up and down. But the thing that stood out to me was in the, the non-conference play, I thought Arkansas schedule was a little weak. And even though Louisville is not like, you know what I mean? not a powerhouse by any means they're actually probably the worst team <laughs> that that he's played but I thought with the lights on in Maui he, he he just showed me something a little bit different I wanted to get your opinion on another guy that came into 
college basketball with a reputation as being a shot creator from this freshman class is J.J. Starling. What have your thoughts been on Starling so far? That's an interesting one because I haven't been impressed by Notre Dame's competition that they've played. And, and so I, it's hard to evaluate like, oh, is this guy is this guy creating because he's playing against subpar create, uh, defenses or is he a type of guy that you can rely on? Um, but what I will say is I think early in the season, he's established his role more so than what Blake Wesley did at Notre Dame. And that was a guy I was very high on by the end. Um, because he could get wherever he wanted. J.J. Starling's a little different, comes out of La Lumiere, and he's got the same explosion, and he's been able to kind of get downhill um, in, in, a, so in a way that that I would say Blake Wesley did. But I, I think his shot is, is, to me, I've still got a bit of a question mark. I think he can shoot the ball, but I'm curious to see how he shoots the ball in a an NBA floor and with spacing, does it improve his game because he can get downhill? He's got the explosiveness. Whereas that was like the leap I expected from Blake Wesley. And I know they're not one to one, but they are filling the same role at Notre Dame. So it's it's easy to make that comparison. The the, the question I that it begs to me is Blake Wesley with NBA spacing to should be really good because I watched him live twice um, in San Diego at March Madness and he could get wherever he wanted, even against Texas tech, which allows no middle and he'd get right to the middle. And I was like, man, if you can do that in college basketball against a good defense, I guarantee you can do it against the NBA with, with more spacing. So for JJ Starling, my question becomes, can his shot set up the drive? Because I think he can do one of the two. I think he just needs to become more complete in that, in that facet of the game. And I think early in the season, he's impressed and he should get better, but ACC play will be, kind of the litmus test for J.J. Starling. Yeah, for for me, I thought that he was more of a scorer than shooter. thought that he was a guy that was streaky, definitely capable of getting hot and, you know, scoring in bunches. But I never had him as, as like this shooter. But I do think that he is someone that can develop into a, a three-level scorer. I thought he's a very creative finisher at the rim, even though he's like a below-the-rim finisher based off his high school tape, he has some pretty crafty finishes around the rim. All right. Amari Bailey. I was not a big Amari Bailey guy, even though I think he is one of the best shot creators in this class, as far as just being able to just generate his own offense, doesn't need anyone to set him up. He can go get you a bucket. And I'm usually really, really high on guys like that. But I also feel like if you're going to be this instant offense bucket getter then you have to be a good passer because teams can kind of eliminate you by just sending doubles what are your thoughts been on Amari Bailey I'm still not high on Amari Bailey yeah I'm I'm right there with you I've I've never really been on the Amari Bailey hype train for whatever reason he's got the traits that you typically look for to to excel but I I think I'll start with the fit on the team I think he's an interesting kind of a uh, a square peg and a round hole in this team because two Tiger years in Campbell's a row. Now- <laughs> so it's two years in a row, a highly touted freshman. You can say the same thing about UCLA because, you know, they keep their veteran team. Yeah. Well, it's particularly, I mean, I think Peyton Watson could have done a good job on that team. It, it was just, it was an odd spot. But, but this one feels weird because Amari Bailey, you want to see his passing improve. And Tiger Campbell is a good floor general, but he's shooting a ton this year. So you're kind of like not, neither player is doing what they're best at right now. And Amari Bailey is a good, like he has the capacity to be a good shot creator. I don't buy his shot personally, 
but he's got that capacity. Tiger Bailey, uh, T- Tiger Campbell, excuse me, is a very good floor general, but he's shooting a ton, and I don't think that's a sustainable recipe. But to Amari Bailey, he's scoring it, it, per per 36 minutes, he's scoring 14 points, 4.5 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.9 shells. The one thing I buy is that he can be a pretty good defender, um, but but I really don't think he can shoot. Um, and, and I don't think he can shoot when creating either, like maybe he can turn into a spot up shooter, but I don't think he can shoot in the, in a half court. Like if he's trying to create, and I also, I think his passing's overrated in the sense that he's fast enough. He gets downhill and he can like dump off and they're like almost chaotic assists. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he's, he's kind of, he goes like frenetic pace and it's a drop off or those fast breaks. I think that in terms of shot creation, I don't value the the drive and finish um against subpar competition as like shot creation in the in the sense of like okay this is sustainable against better competition and so i guess i'm i'm lower on him i've got him outside of my first round right now so i i i i mean i I want to be wrong because i i appreciate the game he brings in i just don't quite see it fitting into the nba and i don't think he fits well with the roster he's on yeah he's only shooting 38 percent from the foul line and if you're a scorer that relies on getting downhill, you know, you got to get those easy buckets from the foul line. Like he's had games where he was 0 for 2, 0 for 1, 1 for 4, and 2 for 4 from the foul line. But he's shooting 35% from three, not a high volume of attempts. A lot of it is based off of the game that he had against Pepperdine where he was 3 for 3. So if you're not buying the shooting, then you're, you're kind of looking at the numbers and saying yeah, they've been padded by a low number of attempts in a three for three game. All right. When we return, I'm going to do something that I did with, with Max and Monday show. I'm going to name a freshman and I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind, but let's talk about express VPN. Now I'm a person that has lived overseas and I understand the importance of ExpressVPN, especially especially when I was living in China. I needed ExpressVPN because when I was in China, you cannot get to any of the social media apps. But we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. But there's something that you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, and this will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge watch, for example, The Office on UK. It is simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up ExpressVPN app, change your location to the United Kingdom, refresh refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. If you love Korean dramas, use ExpressVPN to parasite off South Korean Netflix with your Netflix subscription. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason I use ExpressVPN is to watch shows because it is ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD or no, with no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices from phones to media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on NBA right now. You can get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. That is expressvpn.com slash locked on. ExpressVPN, 
dot com slash locked on to learn more. And again, I am a person that has used ExpressVPN because living in China, I mean, you're like <laughs> isolated from the world, Facebook, YouTube, none of that stuff works. So I haven't been to China, don't plan on going for a while, but if you ever go to China, you will definitely need ExpressVPN. All right, last segment is Rafael Barlow with my co-host, Leif Tuline, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else in the world. So I'm just going to name some freshmen, right? And I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to name some of the, the freshmen in this class that are expected to be first-round picks or, you know, at least in that range. And just based off of what you've seen so far, just first thing that comes to your mind. All right, we'll start with Brandon Miller. Top tier scorer. I, I think he can be a lottery uh, or a top 10 guy that, that really scores the ball well in the NBA. All right, Keontae George. Big time shooter. I, I think he's on the fringe of the lottery. Casey Wallace. Perfect glue guy, defensively oriented team player that I think is a lottery pick. Dylan Mitchell. Energizer Bunny with great defensive traits. I think he's one of the bigger question marks in the draft. I think he's got kind of 10 through 20 range for me, but he's got really high upside. It's just that he's got to develop some skills that I think a, a skills coach in the NBA is going to have his hand. Like if he can develop Mitchell, he's going to get a raise. But if he can't, then then they, then you've got it. You, you, you mess up a little bit. Jairus Walker. Tenacious. He, he he defends, rebounds. He, he's a, he's a he's a connective tissue piece with with big time upside. Got him in my lottery. All right, Derek Whitehead. So far, he's he's difficult, but I'll I'll do a little bit of high school talk in this one. I'd say he's a connective tissue with upside to be a playmaker in the NBA, and I've got him in my lottery. Clell Ware. Shot making big that needs to put on strength. I've got him just outside of my lottery. I need to hear your lottery. We'll get to that in another show. Anthony Black. Jumbo size point guard with improved shot creation. Got him about number 10. All right, Grady Dick. Plus size shooter. I've got him around 20. Kyle Filipowski. Supremely skilled, big, improving draft stock for sure. I've got him around 20. Julian Phillips. Similar to Dylan, uh, Dylan Mitchell, superb athlete, higher skill level to begin with, a little bit smaller than, uh, than Mitchell. I've got him around 17, give or take. G.G. Jackson skilled youthful big that is on a terrible terrible south carolina team so he's going to have a he's going to have trouble in the sec play being the only guy but i really like gg jackson i've got him in my lottery okay Derek lively gifted defender good athlete coming off of injury i i've got him at the tail end of my lottery 
Hmm. You're the first person that I've heard say that most people are down on him right now. I am a little bit down, but I'm willing to give him time to develop. I I think it's unfair to judge him and Dariq Whitehead yet. Okay, that's fair. Chris Livingston. Odd man out in a in a tough rotation. So I I've got him at the end or into my end of the first round and into my second round because I think he he's a he's a good athlete. I forgot to do the uh the explain, but good athlete. Uh he's got skills. He he's in a kind of a rotation at Kentucky that makes it hard for him to shine. So I expect him to transfer or go to the draft and kind of suffer in stock because he's in kind of in an odd man out playing a role that's not necessarily conducive to success. Okay. Uh Amari Bailey. We talked about him. Second round, super fast. Guard guard with great pace, but lacking some of the requisite skills to be a point guard and the shooting to be a two guard. Um, so I've got him in my second round. Adem Bona. Good defensive instincts for a big, a little bit raw, tail end of my first round. He's, yeah, he's still he's still pretty raw to me. Um, JJ Starling. Quick, explosive shot maker. Um, tail end of my first round. Bryce Sissonball. I like him a lot. Physical freshman who can shot create. I'd say early second round, late first round. Um, I, I need to see him do it over a longer period to buy it, but I think Ohio State's got the kind of reputation that's been able to produce players that can that can score in, in impressively throughout the season. So I, I'm I'm excited to watch him more. Taylor Hendricks. I haven't really seen him yet, so I'll reserve judgment I, I i've seen highlights but i haven't watched a full full game so I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that one now is there anybody else that has stood out to you that i left off as far as freshmen um tyrese proctor has been an interesting one uh i i really appreciate his kind of european style of facilitation he's got great pick and roll reads struggling to shoot the ball i've still got him in my first round um, but I, I, I could see him really benefiting from coming back a second year and being a great shot, uh, shot creator in terms of the passing and working on his jump shot. But I've still got him in the first round should he come out this year. Yeah, I mean, he reclassified up. So I think a lot of people actually saw him as a two-year project anyway. All right. Well, thank you, man. That wraps up this episode. I can't wait to hear your mock draft or your updated big board whenever you are are ready to release that let me know and man i can't wait for that that's gonna be a great show but thank you the audience for making this locked on nba big board podcast your first listen now for your next listen check out the locked on sports today podcast the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day it is available on odyssey YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Leaf Tulane. And we are out.